0: Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics podcast. I'm your host, Alex Zafranas, and today I'm on with Zach Schaefer. Zach, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, hey, Alex, thanks for introducing me. My name is Zach Schaefer, as you said. Um, I'm 27 years old, live in Connecticut. I am the CEO of Brainwash LLC. And what Brainwash is, is it's a platform. It's basically an app where College students are able to get employed on campus with as flexible of hours they want. And um, they also get a really cheap convenience on campus. So uh, it's basically like Uber for Laundry. So students log onto the app, they can do laundry for other students on campus, whatever hours they want. They choose their own hours, orders, everything. The customer are other students there are other fellow students on campus and they get a really affordable price get the laundry back the same day and the best part is after every transaction we take a part of um the money and we put it towards a scholarship fund for that school and we give it back to deserving brainwash users at the end of every
0: school year very cool so how did you build this business
1: yeah so um you know when I went to college, I went to Fairfield University for marketing. And, um, you know, I had the problem that a lot of, I feel like a lot of people do is they go to college and they're not sure what their career path should be. And I was kind of going through the motions. And one day I was, I was in school, I was in my dorm and it was, it was like a Friday and everyone was getting, all my roommates were getting ready to go out and have fun. And, I was like, ah, oh, have no clean clothing, so all my friends are hanging out, and there I am, schlubbing everything all the way to the laundry room, and I'm like, you know, this is such an inconvenience. And then when I walk in, I see a girl sitting there with her headphones on a Friday night, just waiting for her laundry and studying, and I'm like, wow, there's really a market of people who don't mind doing their laundry, and while there's also a big part of people who can't stand this, like like myself, <laughs> so. You know that's where the idea came from and in terms of building it um you know i didn't really know where to start so i i drew it out i just in a notebook i then i put it into a computer for like a prototype and then i outsourced my coding and you know i kind of just winged it (laughs) you know and uh watched a lot of youtube read a lot of stuff on google and just kind of figured it out and you know now here i am today we're we're in a school just a year later and hoping to get in a lot more.
0: When you started, did you transition from another job? What was your previous role to starting a company?
1: Yeah, so um, I, right out of college, I worked for a company called Read Exhibitions, and it's, a, it's an events company. So basically... Um, I'm sure you've heard of Comic-Con and the company I worked for, they owned that show and a lot of similar shows. So I worked for a video gaming show called PAX and I did sales for them. And, you know, I've always had this idea and it was, you know, it was something that I just didn't really know how to execute. And then, you know, a lot of life factors kind of hit me at once. Um, My mom got really sick and, a week later I got laid off from my job. So, you know, I was kind of at a point where I was like, wow, what, you know, what, what do you, what do I do with my life? And, you know, I was, I was upset for a few hours and I decided like, you know what, this is just a sign that I got to get going. And I, I went home, started drawing everything out. And from there, it really wasn't, I mean, it, it was a difficult path, but it wasn't difficult for me to put in all the work because it's something I just really had to have. So so that's kind of where the motivational spark came from.
0: <laughs> so as you're building your business, what would you say was your core competencies that you were bringing to the table?
1: You know, I would say that a few of my core competencies are one, my ability to put what I like aside and try to focus more on what the customer would want. Because, you know... I think where a lot of people go wrong, especially with the service, is they think, "How would I? How would I do it the way I would like it best?" And you know, it's okay to definitely have things that you would like, especially if you're someone who would be using the service, like myself. You know, I'm out of college now, but it's cl- it, it was close enough where, okay, I was a college student sort of recently. Where what would I like in this app? So there's there's definitely some, from my opinion, but then you know, after getting other people's kind of viewpoint and understanding that I can't just focus on what I think is the right way. And, and you got to try to take it as many perspectives as possible while also not changing everything about what you're doing. So, um, you know, I would say one is my ability to relate to the customer and hear what they're saying. And I would say the other part is my creativity, because. Um, And well, creativity along with confidence in the idea, just because, you know, when I I was going around telling people about an app where people do laundry for each other, I've heard a lot like, that's crazy. And, oh, that sounds kind of weird. And, you know, I understand that, but it's just about really seeing the vision and understanding that when you're coming out with something new, as long as you have confidence in the idea and you stick to your vision and you don't waver away from that and you can really get anything done.
0: Yeah. It, it makes me wonder, you know, the true role of a leader, how much of it is decision-making and how much of it is influencing others in, to go in a certain direction. And there's like a difference there, right? Like everybody thinks being a leader is about making tough decisions. But then what we want from leadership is actually direction, which is not exactly the same.
1: No, and that's, and that's a good point. I mean, it's it's definitely a balance of the two. So, I mean, with, with decision making, no, no one wants to really be a person who makes a decision that has possible downside, you know, like if you're at a company and you have to make a call and if, if it's the wrong call and you feel like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble, I'm going to get, you know, and... It, it it takes a leader to be able to say, okay, someone needs to make this decision. Someone needs to think of, you know, the pros, the cons, and we need to make an educated choice here. So, you know, does that choice sometimes have downside? Yeah. And, you know, that, that's just a part of business and a part of life. But, I mean, it takes a real leader to be able to own up to their decision, stick with it, and think it out in as many ways as possible and just hope for the best. And, you know, that's really all you can do. And, um, and what was the second part of that question? It was the decision-making and all in influence, Um, you know, so in terms of influencing people, if you're talking in terms of like when you're trying to get into a university, um, which is what, you know, Brainwash focuses on is partnering with, universities to make the whole process easier so you know a part of the influence is showing them your vision because that's what you're trying to do here because you know it's basically sales you're showing them your idea you're showing them the benefit the upside the downside and you're trying to convince a school to take a chance on you and you you know when you're a growing company that's difficult for a lot of people to have because you haven't developed that rapport and that trust yet so it's a lot of it's influence in the sense that you have to be able to present your ideas in a way that you think they would be receptive to. So, um, you know, I would say it's just as much decision-making as it is influence. And I think what makes a good leader is someone who's able to do both when the time is right. You know, I mean, if you're someone who is good at decision-making, but, you know, you're not able to influence others, and maybe, I'm not saying you you can't be a leader at all, but it's definitely... In my opinion, the best leadership qualities is a healthy balance of both.
0: Sales is uh, such a key skill in, in everything. Um, thinking about even in analytics, a lot of what we do is sales. A lot of it is boiling down the value of a certain mathematical um, measurement and <laughs> selling it to people who are focused on the general business, right? They don't have an expertise in that specific area, but we have to kind of translate the value in the terms that that an executive might um, appreciate. And that in itself is a sales skill. Would you agree?
1: Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, when we, sales is basically anytime you're trying to present an idea to somebody. So it's not always like, okay, you have to give me money for this to be a sale, or I have to sell you a product. It's selling ideas, it's concepts, it's sales goes really deep. So, you know, that's sales is kind of a great experience for everybody, just because even if you don't love actual sales, like you said, just selling the value of marketing analytics is a sales skill in itself. And it takes a certain level of expertise to be able to speak on it in a smart way.
0: Going back to the previous question, have you ever made a mistake as a leader? When somebody had to push a button, you push the button and it was the wrong button. How do you react to that as a leader? And what have you learned from your past experiences?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, like I said, I came out of college with a marketing degree and, you know, for me personally, what I learned in school when you're trying to start your own business, I mean there are a few things that come in from my education, but overall it's a totally new thing that I wasn't prepared for. And, it, and, you know, along the way you make a lot of mistakes and, you know, whether that's in the coding or whether it's, you know, when you're trying to make a pitch to a university, maybe you ask the words you're like, wow, and maybe I should have said this other thing. So, you know, it's a bunch of, there's been a bunch of little hiccups on the way and there's of the hiccups bigger than others Um, but you know it's really just about learning because and I know that sounds corny and like the you know the professional answer but it's true I mean I, I made mistakes and at the time I was pissed off about it and I'm thinking like oh I could have done it this way that way but something that I've really learned over the years is that if someone's not dead and or someone's not hurt, your mistake is usually not a huge deal at the end of the day, you know? I mean, if, if everyone's okay, you can usually figure out the rest. And that, that, that mindset has kind of really helped me along the way.
0: So understanding kind of where, you know, what to focus on and what to care about must be really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, a part of being a leader is prioritizing your responsibilities and also the stresses that are going on. So, you know, it's okay to get upset when something bad happens or when something doesn't go your way. But my whole mentality is just, okay, if I sit here and panic and say, you know, this isn't fair or, oh, damn it. I messed up. It's like, it, it really doesn't do anything except make you feel like crap. So, I mean, you know, you got you, you got to evaluate what's in your control. You do everything that you can that's within your power and you go from there. Don't be afraid to ask people for help <laughs> and, you know, don't try to be a hero if you don't have to be in the sense that, you know, if there are people around you that, you know, are able to help you in a situation or can do things better than you, don't be afraid to ask because there's things in business I know I'm not good at. Like my artistic side, is absolutely terrible. I can't draw, paint, I can't make marketing materials. So I I know I'm not good at that. And I I know it would be a mistake for me to, to go and make my own, so I outsource that. It's about realizing what you're good at, what you're not so good at, and just kind of taking it from there.
0: Do you use marketing analytics in your current role?
1: Yeah, so you know, marketing analytics, first off, I think is extremely important especially for a company that is growing. Um, It's something that we're we're definitely, we definitely are using more in the future, Um, you know, because especially with marketing analytics, as you were saying about how valuable the data was, I mean, every product you're selling is different. Every service you're selling is different and your customer base will be different. And you got to understand what they respond to, what their tendencies are, patterns. And if if you have data, you're really king in the situation because you can have a great product. If you don't have the data, or you don't know how, how effective your marketing is, or how to market to them properly, I mean, you're kind of screwed.
0: And and I would I would argue that marketing and in general is more beneficial to a grow. Well, I think. Hold on, let me rephrase that. I think that the impact of advertising. On a smaller business that's trying to gain mind share in a certain audience, the value of advertising is really high for a small business. The impact, in other words, is very high because um, once you you know start paying, uh, you get access to this like certain base audience. Maybe it's even like ten thousand people <laughs> that you wouldn't otherwise be able to contact in any way. So and it's cheap. And then you can scale up from there. And um, and and the point is like for a growing business, for a small business, really analyzing your advertising and what behavior it's driving and the return you're getting and optimizing that flow for a small business, I think you can see like really positive ROI multipliers on your marketing spend. For bigger businesses, it's totally different because if people already know about you, then the... You know, incremental benefit of a, another display ad for a company like Tesla is not going to rend, probably render a positive ROI, and that's why they don't care much about advertising. Because um, it, yeah, would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely.
1: I mean, like you said, with a bigger company, um, when, when a, if you take a company like Coca Cola, for example, it's like you see a you see an advertisement it's not like that's the first time you're ever hearing of Coca-Cola. Uh, almost every single person on this planet has probably heard of Coca-Cola at some point. But uh, The purpose of the marketing is just to put it back in your head, like reminding you, Hey, we're here. We still exist. And she look out. Okay. So it's just like a gentle reminder, uh, you know, for a company that's completely new and no one knows about you know, any small business, you know, that's the hardest part is that no one knows about you. I mean, so, getting your base audience is definitely the toughest because word of mouth is definitely a thing too. So, once you get a, so once you get a base audience, some people, you know, people talk to each other and hopefully grow your audience in that way naturally. But um, in terms of marketing, I mean, with, with brainwash, it, it was it was pretty crazy experimenting with different forms of advertising. You know, amongst the different social medias. Uh, even print advertising and kind of just seeing the different ROIs on all of them. And it's just, it it was, it was pretty shocking. It was just pretty shocking to see. And it was also really fun just because, you know, the impact it had to spend even, you know, even when I was spending like a hundred bucks a week on advertising, it was, it was such a big difference. And I had people actually interacting with my link for the first time and like messaging me. And I was just like, wow, a hundred bucks really a hundred bucks alone can really get you in the game you know and obviously obviously when you increase that spend you get a lot more results but yeah it's just it's crazy how impactful a lot of this advertising is and also how cheap it is because social media is really it's it's a really underrated way to advertise and i know it's like it doesn't seem underrated because social media is so popular but for the amount of people you reach and for how specific a segment you can target and for the price that it is, it's absolutely crazy.
0: Yeah. And you're marketing to college students, right? Yes. Yep.
1: College students and um, their families, you know, just gaining awareness in a college, in a household with college students in it. So our target, our target is, college students directly but you know we also like to make the parents aware of what we do and the families aware just so you know just so it's not like hey what are you doing oh i'm washing some students laundry and they're like you know like we'd like them to know what's going on and what our mission is
0: i see okay and what channels have you found work for addressing this audience from a conversion standpoint
1: sure so there's a, few, there's a few things that I found most effective. One is in-person, like, events. So, you know, we, we like to go on campus, go directly to the students and, you know, sponsor things like pizza parties. Um, we like to go on to career fairs. And just, we, we like to be up close and personal to the students just to kind of get an idea of... Because, you know, people say things online, like reviews and stuff like that, but it's it's nice to be able to see my actual audience and just kind of getting a personal idea of how, of how they feel about the business. So in-person events are probably one of our best, but in terms of actual advertising, um, Facebook has been huge. Instagram is Instagram and Facebook are probably my favorites to advertise on. You know, we've, we've, we tried the others a little bit. Like we tried Twitter for a little bit, didn't, didn't love it. Uh, I mean, for me personally, I didn't notice a huge ROI so we don't run Twitter ads. Um, You know, there's a few other things we've run online that haven't been as effective. But Facebook's great because, and Instagram's great too, because, you know, they they basically, when, when you're filling out the advertising for Facebook, it just carries over to Instagram too. So it's really easy one. And you can how specific of a demographic you can target on Facebook is actually insane. (laughs) So it's like, you can target people from certain ages. You can do it within a mile radius. You can do it where they have to have certain keywords in their bio. Like you can make it so specific. And it's like, if you thought about this, like 10 years ago, it would seem unheard. It, it, it It would seem unreal. So That's
0: it's just really kind of crazy cool. how far it's gone. Yeah. Off. yeah. <laughs> wow. And um, so as a business owner, you are in charge of the spend and how you're spending money on marketing. It's obviously very important to you. At what point would you consider bringing in other marketing people, like a like a like somebody specifically for marketing?
1: So, you know, right now, I'm, I'm doing the marketing and, you know, it, it's something that I enjoy doing, but I realize that when you get to a certain size in the company, you can't do it all. So, you know, I don't know if I have a point of, I, I don't I don't know if I have an exact point in my mind when I would, you know, I, de- dedicate those responsibilities to somebody else. But, you know, when it's at a point where I feel like I can't, give the quality of work that I want to for the given role, that's when, that's when you got to start making adjustments. So, you know, you can't, you can't just hold out because you don't want a teammate. (laughs) You you gotta, you gotta look, you gotta look at your situation and say, okay, if I don't do this, what will happen to the business? And if that's a negative answer, then you do what you need to do.
0: How do you think through um, decisions at work when it comes to, you know, hiring people, when it comes to making big decisions related to the budget, like, do you typically think what, what is best for the long-term interest of the company, the growth, the customer? What what comes first in your mind?
1: Yeah, so, you know, when I it, it depends what I'm making a decision about, really. So, you know, if I'm making a decision about marketing spend, my whole thing here is, yeah, I'm spending a lot on marketing. Uh, part of what makes it so expensive, especially now, is a few things. One, I'm new. So, obviously, no one knows about, you know, when you're new, no one knows about you. I don't mind spending more m- money on marketing because I'm figuring out what works. I'm figuring out what my ROI is on each of these platforms. So I'm not that concerned about those decisions right now, like in terms of marketing spend, cause it's just we're figuring out what works and we're setting ourselves up for a while to come. And, um, you know, in, in terms of other decisions, it, it, it's, you know, sometimes it's tough because it's stuff that, you know, There are times I have to make a decision on something that I haven't had a lot of experience with or, you know, something I'm not too familiar about. The way I address that is I've listened to a lot of other business owners speak. Like That's something I like to do is I I watch videos and listen to these guys and their experience and how they handled certain things. So I've taken some inspiration from that. But, I mean, it's really about those times where, you know, you just got to... I don't always know if it's the best decision, but it's I make the most educated one that I can. And I think about short and long-term growth of the company. I know there's things you need to do in the short term, like a lot of ad spend, and there's things in the long term, like just setting yourself up to have a business that your demographic respects. So, you know, it's, it's definitely just a balance, like like most things are.
0: Yeah, who are some influencers or business owners that you look up to
1: you know they're the obvious big ones like i think what elon musk has done is pretty insane (laughs) you know it's i think that his work is pretty inspirational just because this is a guy that constantly does does stuff that is unheard of and crazy and you know it's like this guy not only is creating a car that's the first of its kind he's he he wants to go to mars (laughs) so it's like the guy the guy's pretty crazy and i you have to respect a certain you have to you have to respect something about that um but you know in terms of you know less well-known ones i would say i mean I, i i think it was i was listening to a podcast one time and I think it was the creator of DoorDash and just kind of hearing his story was pretty cool just because, you know, he came from, you know, he started with nothing as a business and then him him and some friends got together and made something happen that, and, you know, it was just a couple college people making something happen. So, you know, He's, he's not as well known and I honestly I can't remember what his name is right now <laughs> but um, when I think back to it, I just that was a pretty that was a pretty inspirational podcast as well just because there were some similarities in, in terms of just life itself.
0: That's great. Yeah, I I listen to all sorts of different people. I'm a big YouTube guy. I can tell you like YouTube as well. Oh yeah, all the time. Do you have premium YouTube Premium?
1: I don't. I always get the thing that says, "Do you want to try a trial? Is it worth it?"
0: It's it's a game changer. I don't listen to. I don't have anything. I don't have Spotify or Apple Music. I just use YouTube. It it is like more more expensive, um, but I think it's fantastic. Like for somebody who watches YouTube like multiple hours a day, or at least listens to like YouTube videos and stuff, it definitely makes sense given like the fact that you can like play it on your phone and you don't get ads yeah i don't i wouldn't want the ads for the amount of youtube i watch (laughs) i'm sure i would just switch to something else if i didn't want to i've been
1: i've been thinking about it because it's honestly my most used app on my phone is youtube like I, I, i i use spotify for music mostly but i still listen to some music on youtube i watch random stuff i watch i listen to podcasts on youtube it's it's literally my favorite app, so I might actually have to do
0: that now. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Here's here's one thing I'm stuck with, though. Um, I have an Apple Watch, and Apple just did this update where you can stream music through Apple Music through your watch to your headphones. So when I'm running, I can just grab my watch and, and my headphones because I have the the one that has service. And I was like, wow, that's like I wanted this like the whole time. But that would mean that I'd have to switch from YouTube to Apple Music, and then I wouldn't get any of the benefits, you know, that I wanted, really. Like, you know, I I listen to music, but that's only like a small percentage of the reason why. So, but I think I'm going to do it. That's how crazy it is. Like, (laughs) that's how much I want to try this, you know, ecosystem play.
1: I think you should go for it. Why not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I'll, I'll report back to everybody how it goes. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. Um, so over the last two years, how, how did COVID impact your business growth? And how did you kind of strategize uh, to still succeed?
1: Yeah, so, you know, COVID is something that You know, it hit us really, it hit us pretty hard. I mean, it hit everybody. So it's not, you know, I don't think my business is anything special in terms of like we got hit harder than anyone else. You know, I know there's people that have it a lot harder than me in the business world right now. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for where I'm at now. Um, You know, COVID affected us negatively because when we were negotiating with schools to be on their campus, we had a, you know, we had a lot of interest and then COVID hit. So all those conversations I was working on for months and even close to a year, where people were saying, you know, we love your product, we love what you do, but we need to focus on keeping the students safe, and we don't want to incorporate a new program right now. Which, you know, I, I understand from the school's perspective, you got to keep your students safe, but and all that. From my perspective, it's you know, it's obviously disappointing, and. I understand they gotta do what they need to do. And, you know, so I mean, the way we kind of adjusted is I was like, okay, it was really disappointing for like a few days. Cause I'm like, wow, it looks like this semester I won't be in a school. And I'm like, now nah, I just have to wait. And I was I was, pretty, I was pretty disheartened just cause I really, I worked hard to be able to get into a school for that semester and it seemed like it was just not going my way, but instead I took that time. I I kept reaching out to more schools. I figured out ways to improve the product. I worked on marketing. I just took that time to work on everything that I possibly could. And, you know, I still reached out to schools. We adjusted in the sense that we stressed that with brainwash, it can be a contactless delivery and pickup, just like, just like all these other, you know, like if you order food, what happened when COVID happened, they, they would leave it at your door it's a very similar concept in terms of delivery. So, you know, you you can do it with, obviously all of our washers and customers wear masks and, um, you know, we just try to make it as safe as possible for the students and for the schools. And we we just keep trucking along, but COVID was definitely difficult for us. And, you know, there's still obviously effects of that. Um, But, it's just, kind of, it's, a, it's just about adjusting because I don't think anyone could foresee a virus taking over the world. <laughs> but, you know, um, a lot of businesses were hurting. Some thrived and others adjusted. And that's just what you need to do to stay, stay alive.
0: How do you stay disciplined and kind of committed to the business?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think it's difficult for people to stay disciplined sometimes, even for myself, you know, there's times I don't want to work and there's times where I'm tired and I'd much rather do other stuff like, like everyone else in the world. You know, I, I like normal things <laughs> and um, you know, I, I think what helps me stay disciplined is a fear of failure just because, you know, if I fail a business, but I give everything I have, then I can, I can sleep. Okay. You know, I mean, obviously I'll still be upset, but there's a difference between failing because you didn't try hard enough and because you didn't work hard enough, uh, you, you know, and, and then things just didn't work out. So, I mean, there's a big difference between that and that's part of what helps me stay disciplined. The other part of it is I thought of my life working before for somebody else and kind of, you know that's a that's an okay that's a that's a great life for a lot of people and you know I'll, a lot of people work for a company and they're happy doing that and that's a, a great life choice but for me personally I just you know I thinking of building somebody else's dream when I'm working for them and just it just never made sense to me and I just never saw myself working for thirty years for a company and you know I I, I just. I mean, for someone else's company. So just all these things together help me stay disciplined. And I just know I have a goal and I just keep thinking about it. And when stuff is not going my way or I'm not in the mood to do it, I just think about having to do sales for another company again. And then I get back to work because that sounds terrible. I love
0: that. So, yeah. yeah. That's, that's funny. <laughs> um. When did you know, I guess, have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Have you always had that inclination?
1: Well, you know, growing up, I would always think of ideas and I would always just tell my dad, like, like, I would think of something, I'd be like, hey, dad, what do you think of this? And, you know, <laughs> growing up, some of the ideas were not great, because <laughs> I am just a kid with an imagination, and a lot of it wasn't doable. And then, you know, that was just always something I kept doing when I, even when I got older. And brainwash is actually one of those. Like, I, I was at college, I was at college one day, and I was talking to my, I called my dad, and I was like, hey, dad, what do you think of this? And he he just had a completely different reaction to this idea than I've ever seen him have to any other one. I've told him, and he's just like, it's got to exist. I'm like, dad, it doesn't. And as soon, and as soon as, as soon as I told him about the idea and what my vision was, he just understood it. And, you know, so I've always had the inclination in the sense that I love to be creative and to make things. Um, but, you know, going into college, I actually started off. I went to school for pre-med and I quickly discovered that that life was not for me. <laughs> and um, you know, then I transitioned into business, doing accounting, and I tried doing accounting, marketing, double major. Realized I hated accounting. It's just I I never knew what I wanted to do once I got to school because it just didn't make that much sense. Because uh, you know, I did the idea of cre- of creating my own thing, it just I realized how. Not easy it is in the sense of building a business because that's tough, but actually going and just starting a business, anyone can do it. So I mean it's it really was it really was a no-brainer for me.
0: On the thread of entrepreneurship, do you have any advice for entrepreneurs and starting their first business?
1: Yeah, you know, I my advice would be cut uh, I mean if I had to give some advice, I would say if you're nervous, if you don't know if it's going to work, if, if, you know, if you're waiting for a mentor or you're waiting for the timing to be right, you know, I, you just got to go for it at some point because it's easy to make excuses. And I assure you, it is a difficult path to be an entrepreneur, but to go out and start a business, you can start, you can go out and start an LLC. Just go online. It takes It doesn't take a lot of time. You don't need a lot of startup money. You just need an idea that's well thought out. So if you have an idea, make a list. Think, what are the pros? Do I have a market for this? Is it possible to execute? Because you know, when when you're looking at ideas, and it may sound great in your head, but when you're running down the checklist of, is this viable? When, once you start getting deeper into it, you're like, okay, maybe this is why this doesn't exist because it's not a viable product. <laughs> so, I mean, you just got to... You know, I I think that if you're a new entrepreneur, I think now is the time to do it just because, especially with the amount of technology that's available, the amount of resources that are available online, you being a YouTube man yourself know how much you can learn on YouTube. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, if you're a young entrepreneur, just go for it because if you, in 30 years, when you're, when you have a lot more responsibilities, you have a family maybe, you're married, it's a lot harder to take those chances. So, now's the time. And even if you are, an entrepreneur that does have a family, something like that, you just got to grind when you're available, make those hours count, and anyone can really make it happen. Like I said, that sounds corny, but it's the truth.
0: Yeah, I I think that one difference between us is I think you have a lot more commitment to the the tough parts of business, even if you don't want to do it. And I don't have that attitude. I don't, I don't like to do, and and I think it's less work ethic. I think it's actually a difference in discipline because when I, when I structure like what I want to do for this podcast is a good example. Like I could have started a business. It's not that I didn't start a business because I like couldn't start something. I, I chose to start a podcast instead of a business. And that's because it's a lot less pressure, right? It's like, more fun. I can build an audience. I can give value to people. I don't, you know, I I have a regular job, so I don't need to like monetize it necessarily, um, to hit my basic needs. Um, so I started with something that, and, and by the way, and I do it every single night, I have calls every single night and I record every single weekend, both Saturday and Sunday I record and I love it. It doesn't feel like work. It genuinely feels like something I would choose to do in my free time. It, it makes me feel valuable. It makes me feel like I'm doing something valuable, and so I don't feel yeah. So so can I can you reconcile that with like what what's the downside of that? You know why why would I put myself into a different position where I have to like work hard and not necessarily have as much fun? Well,
1: you know I think a part of entrepreneurship is you need to you need to want to be doing what you're doing um i think if you're going into it with the 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 mindset of okay how can i make as much money as possible if you're an entrepreneur and you're just thinking straight off the bat like okay i'm gonna go to the beaches gonna have this expensive car and all that like you can't go into it expecting to maximize profit otherwise i mean you're probably not going to be successful you know in terms of what in terms of what you're doing you chose to do a podcast you chose to do it because it's something you enjoy and like you, and as you said, you do it every night. And I don't think you do it every night if it's something you didn't like doing. So you know, with, with being an entrepreneur, that like I said, doesn't always require mon- make maximizing your monetization and stuff like that. It's you're you're dedicating hours to some, something that other people wouldn't dedicate hours to, and not just the podcast, but anything that. I mean, because your podcast is a type of business, even if it's, you know, you may not look at it that way, but you know, you have a strategy, you have to make calls, you're doing sales all day, you have to do hours of editing, like it's, it's a bi- it's a business. I mean, you know, it's, and, you know, you,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not financially I, it's, based. You
1: know, yeah. And that's, and that's fine. You know, I mean, like there are, there are a lot of organizations and companies like, like that. And I think that it's like I like doing brainwash because it's not that I love doing laundry because I actually hate laundry. But what, what, what I like is my whole thing was I wanted to create a platform where, where it's a student run economy because I was a student once. I wanted a job and it was tough and I wanted to create a relief for students that were going through what I went through. So it's not about the laundry. It's about the overall mission of it. And it makes, it, makes, it makes me feel good when I can get have someone get some hours to work a job when they normally would be struggling. So you know what, if I can put help one person, that was my whole concept. If I can help one person and this app provides a benefit to them, then I did my job. And I, I didn't think about money. I didn't think about fame or anything like that. I just thought about how can I provide something to a customer? And makes everyone feel good. So, I mean, and, it, it, and what you're doing is very similar. You're, you're doing podcasts. People like listening to them. You like talking about it. People are gaining knowledge and insight on stuff that, you know, normally they wouldn't. So it's all very similar stuff. It's just really choosing what you like and running with it and just trying to stay dedicated to it.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and that's also like part of what we were talking about earlier with identifying the core competency. So I definitely don't have as good of a competency in running a business as I might in having a conversation about marketing. So that's why this might be like better for me right now. As, and later on, maybe that will develop into a business or something. But yeah, I, I think it's also like matching um, your abilities and what you bring to the table to the economic output of, of the idea.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And kind of like you were saying before that, you know, how you could have a different business one day if you wanted to. I'm not saying you have to, I'm mean, but uh, what you're doing with your podcast sets the structure and the framework for a lot of businesses to come. I mean, the, the, the groundwork's the same. You're putting in a lot of hours. You're trying to gain an audience. You're trying to understand your audience and you're learning what you're good at and what you're not great at. It's you're, you're doing all the steps of an entrepreneur whether you you know whether you think your podcast is a business or not.
0: Yeah, I want to I, I want to really lay down my cards here because I was advised on how to be successful by a mentor of mine and he has a podcast that's popular and a company that's doing really well and growing and a book that Uh, multiple books by now. And I asked him if you were to do it over again, he's like 40. If you were to do it over again, what order would you do it in? And he said, podcast, I would start with the podcast, because then I can have an audience, I can know what they want, I can, um, you know, you don't have to like build the product first and hope the audience comes, you build the product for the audience. And so they're already there. And, um, it's just so much more powerful of a position to start from rather than trying to like create a product, but then nobody knows about it, which is what you were describing earlier, right? That's like the challenge of marketing and the answer might actually be start with the marketing. Um, and, uh, instead of like retroactively applying it that I think that's like a compelling, uh, concept and that's what I'm trying to do in, in my life.
1: No, it's a good point too I mean you know if you build your audience first it's definitely a lot e- it's a, it's a lot easier to build the product because you cut the hard part out well not the, well the harder part is identifying who, you, who your audience is what they will what they will buy or what they will listen to what they want their likes and dislikes so I mean if you already know all that and then you're building a product it's definitely a, you know a lot of, it's a, it's definitely an interesting route. And, you know, when I was building Brainwash, it's, you know, trying to, I was, I built the product first. I had an idea, you know, I had a pretty good idea for my customer was being college students, but at the same time, not knowing their exact wants and needs, I've had to make a lot of adjustments on the way. So, you know, you could probably save yourself a lot of that by building your audience first.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I agree with your point that it's not as common. It's definitely not as common of a path. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's like a little bit putting the cart before the horse. I like it. I like thinking about it like, um, pro almost like prototyping. Like my, my plan is to start a couple of businesses in the next couple of years and not, not a couple of businesses so that I can like fill up a hundred percent of my time, but rather so that I can AB test them from a market perspective and just see what what generates more interest and do like uh basically a 3d rendering of the products or whatever they might be just like create landing pages and just see what people are more interested in you know just pick like the top two ideas what do you think about that
1: i don't think that's a i don't think that's a bad idea i think it's really i don't think there's really a wrong way to pick what you pick what business is right for you i mean you know, I, for, for me, it kind of just clicked instantly what I wanted to do. But for a lot of people, that's not the case, and they're kind of. And also, I mean, we're all young. We're trying to. There's so many things we haven't tried and don't even know we may love to do. So, it's really about just trying different things, trying as many things as you possibly can, kind of seeing because you could have a passion that you just haven't discovered yet. Maybe you make a business out of that. So I, so you know, I, I think that you trying to start a few businesses. And seeing what you like isn't about I think it's. I think it's. Um. Uh, I think it's a good idea. The only thing I would be careful of is if you're if you're doing more than one business at once, you just want to make sure you're that by starting multiple, you're not half assing them. You know, because you may have a good idea, but if you put fifty percent of your effort into that fifty percent of your effort into the other one, and they may both die. As opposed to you know, if you were to put a hundred percent effort into one, maybe it would flourish you know so that, that's the only thing I would be wary of is just making sure you put the adequate time in for it to be successful but in terms of being experimental and kind of choosing a, trying a bunch of different things I'm definitely in favor of
0: I love that and what other advice would you have you know every entrepreneur has like a thousand ideas that they could pick from so like what other advice would you have for picking you know that one to really bet on I know you said, like, pick something you're passionate about, something that you can have fun doing, Um, you know, something maybe your competencies align with. Um, What else would you say is good to think about?
1: Well, I would say that what's good to think about, something I kind of touched upon earlier, is that, um, you know, when thinking of a business, you you have to write stuff down. You have to think, okay, what benefits am I providing to my consumer? And then you list them. Then you say, okay, what's bad about this business? Why is it something that's new to the market? Is there a reason no one else has made it? Because there have been things I've thought of where I'm like, this is a great idea. Why has no one done this yet? And then, like, I make the list and I'm like, oh, wow, these are some pretty severe cons. That's probably why this isn't a business. So, you know, even when making brainwash, there were, you know, were there cons on the list or hurdles? Yeah. But when, when I broke it down and, saw the feasibility of it i said okay are there things that will be difficult yes is it doable definitely so you know that was kind of that helped me in limiting my search because it was something that made sense and it just it felt right to me but um you know besides making the list and doing what you like to do um I would just, I would just advise trying different things. Like I said, like, you know, like you, when you were saying that you want to try multiple businesses cause you don't really know what you like, you know, um, you, or you it's know, some things the, you like.
0: I don't know what will, will work in the market. Like I would like all oh, okay. of them, but it's like, you know, when you're, um, you know, they sell those little flower pots, like those little ones that are the size of a shot glass. And then you can, you can do like 30 of them in a row. And then you, you grow the like the one little seed in all of them. And, and, you, and if you were to do that, you would notice that there's like probably a couple of those seeds that s- sprout extra soon, you know, the strongest ones. And so just from like a week or two of observation, you could probably tell from 30 different seeds what the top one is or the top two. And uh, that's all you would need, right, is like that early indicator of interest or strength. And that's what I'm talking about with the multiple ideas. It's not to fully build them out. It's rather just put the seed out there into the market and see what people respond to more, see where the indicators tell us. Zach, I want to thank you again for coming on. Uh, This has been a great conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And it it was great to be here. Hopefully one day in the future, you can have me back.
0: Yeah, you said you were 27. I'm 26. So we're the same age, basically. So maybe in like a decade. We, we should re-listen to this episode and make a commentary.
1: That sounds like a good follow-up. I like that. Thank you so much for uh, everything. I, I really do appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you soon.